This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2016. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, reading from verse 44 to 46. Matthew 13, 44 to 46. Verse 44, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes, sells all that he has, and buys that field. Again, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went, sold all that he had, and he bought it. How much are you worth? How would you begin to estimate your true value what would be the criteria that you would use what would be your yardstick would it be a friend's estimation of you one quick look at Facebook you see how many people are wanting likes hit the like button like me like my photo because we all like to be liked and certainly all like to be loved. But how much value do you place on your friend's value of you? Or maybe it would be your employer. You work hard, you're conscientious, you do your best for your employer. Does your employer appreciate that? Do they value your work? How much value do you place on their value of yourself? Or a parent? Or a husband? Or a wife? Or someone? What about yourself? Do you value yourself? Have you any feeling of self-worth In Matthew 13, uh, Jesus shares seven parables concerning the kingdom of heaven. The various aspects of the kingdom of heaven, the different ways that it functions, practical ways, spiritual ways. He spoke of the sower, the seed, the soils, the wheat, the tares, the mustard seed, the leaven, the hidden treasure, the dragnet, and of course the pearl of great price. And in this parable, the pearl parable, he has you in mind specifically because he wants you to understand just how precious and special you are to him. And it's good to know how precious and special we are to him. If we're ever going to feel true value of ourselves, it's got to be in Christ. 
uh, because people's opinions will change of you. One day they'll love you, the next day they might hate you. One day they're all for you, the next day they're against you. So you need to have your value based on something that's not shifting sand or simply people's opinions, but something that is deeper than that. This parable particularly has suffered greatly at the hands of interpreters. Those who are not daring, willing and daring to place any value on worthless sinners such as us cannot bring themselves to believe that we could possibly be a pearl of great price. They say it must be Christ. And yet the Bible states very clearly the value of just one soul, just one soul is worth more than winning the whole world. Put it another way, for what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? God puts the whole world on one side of the scales and he puts your soul on the other side and it's no contest. Your soul will win every single time. So it's important this morning that we realize how precious and how valuable we are in God's sight. Now, this parable looks familiar to the one that preceded it. That's why I read the one that preceded it, the hidden treasure in the field. But they actually, they're quite different. The hidden treasure in the field, the man was looking... The hidden treasure in the field, the man wasn't looking for treasure. He wasn't looking for anything. He just happened to come upon it. He just happened to find it. But in the part of great price... The merchant was looking. The pearl was sought after. The hidden treasure in the field, the kingdom of heaven, is compared to the product, to the treasure in that instance. But in the pearl of great price, the kingdom of heaven is compared to the purchaser, the merchant. The hidden treasure in the field, the kingdom of heaven, is compared to the bounty that the man found. But in the pearl of great price, the kingdom of heaven is compared to the buyer who bought the bounty. Now, for those who insist that Christ is the great pearl of, price, pearl of great price, for those who insist on that, and, and listen, we, we know, of course, that the vast majority of people will insist on that, and uh, you'll see it in poems, you'll see it in songs, you'll see it in picture texts. But if they insist on that, then there's some serious hurdles to overcome. Because number one, it makes the sinner as the one who sacrificed everything to find Christ. And we know that's just not true. Sinners do not sacrifice everything to find Christ. Now, they may have to make some sacrifices after they find Christ. As that pastor that's coming in October will tell you. But actually, to find him, we're not the ones who made the sacrifice. Herbert Lockyer says that the parable is not about the sinner seeking Christ, but it's about Christ seeking his church. It is Christ who seeks the sinner who becomes his church.
Luke 19 and 10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. It is the shepherd who seeks the sheep, not the sheep, the shepherd. And secondly, to further prove this, Christ cannot be bought. <laughs> he is God's unspeakable gift. Romans 6, 23, the gift of God is eternal life. Isaiah 55 and 1, salvation is without money and without price. 1 Peter 1, 18, Peter says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold. And then he goes on to say, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot or blemish. In the Old Testament, uh, pearls are not mentioned. There's a, uh, in some versions, the word pearl is mentioned in Job, but actually it's, it's more to do with opals and other things. Uh, it seems that the Hebrews put no value upon pearls. They did with gold and precious stones. And, uh, for example, in the breastplate of the, of the high priest, there, there was no pearls in it. Uh, but when it came to Roman times, it came to when Christ was on earth, then things had changed very much. And there was a greater emphasis on pearls as a precious stone, something to be sought, something of great value. And Jesus, being aware of the value of pearls in his society, uses this in his illustration in this parable. In fact, he used it in a completely different context when he said, Matthew 7 and 6, do not cast your pearls before swine because they'll only trample them underfoot. Uh, and what he was saying in that context was that there are people uh, that you may want to share the gospel with, you may want to share Christ with, and they will flatly reject you. They have no interest. And in fact, they may uh, attack you. Uh, they may go against you. So he says, do not cast your pearls. Do not keep on keeping on with that person. Don't cast your pearls before somebody who's going to mock you because of your belief. Move on. In fact, he told his disciples one time, you go into a city, they do not receive you, shake the dust of your feet and move on. So likewise, a, a pig would not know what a pearl was, so it would trample it underfoot. It would no value to a pig. Uh, Paul uses this uh, pearls. He, in fact, uh, speaking of to Timothy, a pastor in Ephesus, regarding uh, woman in this particular verse, he says, not to adorn the outer person. And he talks with gold, with pearls, and the braiding of hair. So something that was very, very, very ornate. So in other words, do not adorn the outer person at the expense of the inner person. And he mentions pearls. In Revelation 21, 21, the New Jerusalem, the 12 gates well, are made of 12 pearls. And so in Jesus' day, to the audience he was addressing, pearls had become something of great value, and they would understand that. And so his audience was in tune with what he was saying. So let's quickly, just briefly, look at this parable as the merchant representing Christ and his kingdom, he's the king of the kingdom, and the pearl of great price 
as you and me. The merchant went looking for pearls. That's what he did. That was his business. He was an expert in pearls. He knew exactly what he was looking for. He knew exactly where to find them. There was nothing accidental or incidental about Christ finding us. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. This was his one and only mission to this earth. Nothing mattered more to Jesus than finding you. That's why he came. So that you might be saved. That you might be born again of God's Spirit. That's the reason he came. That was his mission, to seek and to save that which was lost. The merchant man looked for beautiful pearls, goodly pearls, the King James says. You are the most incredible creature that God ever made. Some have said you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And science and biologists are just coming to terms with the uniqueness of how we are made. Incredibly complex creatures. But that's the way God made us. Made in the very image of God. Made with the most potential and ability. Made with the greatest intellect of any creature on earth. Made with the greatest ability to do, to create, to construct, to build. Made with the greatest ability to worship. And yet, we had to be found and we had to be bought. And then when he found that one pearl of great price, he went and he sold all that he had and he bought it. Just like the man who found treasure in the field, then he hid it and then he went and sold all that he had to buy the field that the treasure was in. Because he felt the treasure was more than what he had, was worth more than what he had. He was willing to sell everything to get the hidden treasure. For the treasure hidden in the field parable shows us how much men would sacrifice when they realized the value of the kingdom of heaven. For the parable of the pearl shows how valuable we are to the kingdom of heaven. When Christ himself would sacrifice everything to purchase us. Redeemed, Peter says, with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot or without blemish. <laughs> gave up heaven and gave up his life, gave his very blood. No wonder Paul said, 1 Corinthians 6 and 20, for you were bought with a price, a great price. You were bought with a price. Ephesians 5, 25, 27, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. In Philippians chapter 2, 
Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and came obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. What price did Christ pay for us? But you may ask, well, is a pearl of great price fitting picture for a sinful man? Is it a fitting picture? And that's the problem with this parable because most don't think that it's a fitting picture for a sinful man. That's why they insist that Christ is the pearl of great price. But a man may be sinful. He may be racked and ruined by sin. But to God, his soul is worth more than the whole world put together. Now, I'm not sure what value God sees in us. How could you ever figure that out? But all I know is he does. Thank you, Lord. I don't understand why, but he does. His love, his grace, his mercy is shown in how much he loves us. So what would you offer God that would be worth more to him than your soul? Do you offer him your money? Hmm. The streets of this city are paved with gold. So I don't think he'd be impressed by that, would he? Offer him your house? Hmm. Don't think so. He's already building a mansion for you. So what gave that pearl its great value? Its size, its beauty, its luster, its perfect roundness. No doubt this pearl <laughs> was fearfully and wonderfully made. But is that what gave it its value? What really gave it its true value was the fact that the merchant was willing to pay whatever it took, whatever the cost, he was willing to pay it. That's what gives it its value. Now, I don't know why I'm valuable to God, but whatever it is, he paid an awful big price for me and for you and for all of us. Yes, we are fearfully, wonderfully made. Yes, we are the apex of God's creation. Yes, we are the crown in God's, jewel in God's crown of creation. We're all of that. But none of that would mean anything if we wound up in hell, would it? None of that would mean anything if we found ourselves in a lost eternity. So God wants us to be his eternal companions. Imagine that. God has got a heaven that is filled with 
angels. But he still wants you as his eternal companion. The Father has got the Son. The Father has got the Holy Spirit. But he still wants you as an eternal companion. Who can understand this? But there you have it. In John 17, you'll know that great prayer of Christ for his church. When you read that great prayer, you'll see that the heartbeat of that prayer is that Christ wants us to be with him, with the Father for all eternity. And for us to see him in the glory that he had with the Father before the world began. He wants us to be with him forever. Don't understand that, but he does. He's got a heaven full of angels. He's got the Holy Spirit. He's got the Son, but he still wants you and he still wants me. And he will not be content until he has us. <laughs> and even though it was going to cost a great price to have us, yet he was willing to pay that price no matter what the price was. And we know what the price was today. So that's what makes us of great price. The willingness for him to pay the ultimate price for you and for me. But somebody may say, David, would that not make us proud, boastful, and arrogant? No, in fact, it should be the opposite, if you understand it rightly. It should teach us to glorify God. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, Paul says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, that you are not your own, for you were bought with a price? Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Because you were bought at such a price, because God values you so much, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which belongs to him. A pearl is the only precious stone that is formed by a living organism. It's the only one. A pearl is a result of an injury to a living organism, an oyster. We know that a piece of sand or a piece of grit comes into the oyster, and what does it do? It begins to secrete what we call mother of pearl. It begins to secrete that substance over that offending part, and it continues to secrete it. It's as if it's weeping over it continually until it forms into a beautiful pearl. Out of much suffering, the offender becomes a pearl of great price. Out of much suffering on Calvary, the offender, us, becomes a pearl of great price. We were the ones who wounded and offended Christ by our sins. He was the one who wept over us, but his love and his mercy and his grace covered us and made us into something of great worth and value to him, a pearl of great price.
other precious stones can be cut. The diamond, the sapphire, the emerald, the ruby, all of them can be cut into different stones except the pearl. Once you cut the pearl, you've just ruined it. It is unique in itself. Now, I'm not talking about these culture pearls. I'm not talking about the pearls that are man-made. Sally and I, years ago, were in Spain somewhere. I forget where it was now, and there was a bus tour to different places, and one of them was a, 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 a pearl factory. And me and my ignorance didn't know what that was. I thought, well, maybe it's a place where they, they have oysters and they feed them in, you know, in these tanks. And No, these was man-made, so I'm not talking about that. But true pearls, each one is unique within itself, and you can't make another one out of it. And you are unique within yourself, and there's not one like you, and there never will be one like you, and there's never been one like you. You're absolutely unique in yourself. God made us that way for his glory. And so this morning, let me remind you that you actually are the pearl of great price. You're the one that cost God everything to purchase you at Calvary. You're the one that the Father had to look at the Son dying on that cross and turn away. You're the one that Isaiah said that he saw the travail of his soul and he was satisfied. Not that his son was suffering on that cross, but what would come out of that satisfied him. What come out of that? You, me, us, the church. Isn't it wonderful that he loves us that much? <laughs> you could never outlove him. Sure, you couldn't. <laughs> never could outlove him. Can't outgive him, but you can't outlove him. He loves us that much. With all our mistakes, all our sins, all our faults, all our failings, all our quirks, all our mistakes, in spite of all of that, he still loves us. <laughs> that is true love, isn't it? That's a generous, gracious, forgiving love. And he's got it in abundance for you and for me. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information www.mpc.org.uk